0: There's lots of advice telling you how to set and reach your goals. But before you dive in, it's a good idea to know God's plan for your life. Find joy in pursuing the next steps God has for you in Dr. David Jeremiah's new book, Forward, Discovering God's Presence and Purpose in Your Tomorrow. God does have a perfect plan for you, and it's time to embrace your life's purpose. It's time to move forward. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca forward. In a world that says there are no absolutes, how can you take a firm stand for Christ and boldly live the life God has in mind for you? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah brings you a special message from his series, A Life Beyond Amazing. To answer those questions with a look at qualities that should be evident in the life of every committed believer, here's David to introduce A Life Beyond Amazing.
1: Well, friends, we have two days left in the month of August, and we wanted to do this little reprise of a message that introduced a whole series called A Life Beyond Amazing. It was a very important book that we did several years ago. And it's just a good bridge between um, the subject of loneliness and uh, the life of Elisha, which begins uh, September the 1st. So today's kind of a little special add-on. This is a life beyond amazing. And today and tomorrow, we'll be sharing that message. Um, Obviously, you can get more on that subject if you want to. There's a whole book about it. It's available from Turning Point. Most of this information is at our website. You can find out what's available there, which is davidjeremiah.org. But during this month, because we've been talking about loneliness, we've offered this beautiful new book from Thomas Nelson. It's... God Has Not Forgotten You. I wrote this book uh, over many years in many different settings, and it's been organized and beautifully presented. Um, And I just want you to have it. I want you to have this book because it tells you something very important. God has not forgotten you. And even if you just put the book on your coffee table, every time you walk by, you'll see the cover. And the cover will say to you, God hasn't forgotten you. No matter what's going on in your life, even in uncertain times, He is with you. And that's the purpose of this book, and we'd love to send it to you. When you send a gift to Turning Point during these last couple of days of the month of August, simply ask for your copy of the book. God has not forgotten you, and it will be on its way to you. You'll have it before you know it. Well, I'm excited to go back and share this particular message a life beyond amazing. Let's begin. I wrote a book that asked the question is this the end? That book explored the many signs that continue to appear on the world stage that are reminding us that our redemption is drawing near. But the answer to the question that the book posed was a simple no. This is not the end but you can see it from here. After that book was published and had some success great interest was discovered in the prophetic series i sat down a few weeks later with the publishers who helped us do this which is what you always do when you do what i do and they wanted to talk about the next book what are you going to write about next and we agreed that the teaching that seemed to be most necessary in this particular time is the answer to another question And that question is, what kind of people do we need to be to live in this culture that is so messed up and hard to define and we don't know where it's going and it always ends up where we didn't think it would be? We agreed that the teaching that most was needed was teaching from the Word of God that helps us become the kind of people that it doesn't make any difference what's going on. We're just God's people and we do what we do. Amen? I remember pondering this question for over a week, and then the answer suddenly hit me. I said, if we had invited God to this publishing meeting, he would have reminded us that we already have been given the blueprint for his ideal person. He describes that person in the book of Galatians. It is a passage we often refer to as the fruit of the spirit passage. And we are told that when the Holy Spirit completely controls the life of a believer, this is what it will look like. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God's description of a man for all seasons So in response to the question, what kind of people should we be at such a time in history as this? Here is God's answer. He calls us to be people of love and joy and peace. He wants us to have endurance in our lives. He wants us to have compassion for those who need our help. We should be people of generosity, integrity, humility, self-discipline. This is God's ideal person, and believe it or not, we can become like that. We were meant to be like that. Could I just say it this way? Christ died so that we could be that kind of a person. These nine qualities compose a list, which often people say isn't really a list, but nine descriptions of the same thing, but it is a list no matter how you look at it. Nine things that the Bible tells us will be true of us in some way, in a growing way, as we become God's people. So we're going to discuss all these one at a time what it means to become the person God wants us to be, a person of love and generosity. We're going to learn how the Holy Spirit interacts with us to develop these qualities in our lives. And we're going to embrace a life beyond amazing. If you read the New Testament, it becomes pretty clear. If you read it carefully, that's the kind of life God wants us to have. The Lord Jesus Christ said in John ten ten, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. sounds like life beyond amazing. But there's some roadblocks that we need to get out of the way if we're going to get to the place we want to be. If the whole purpose of Jesus coming to this earth was to bring us a life beyond amazing, what's gotten us off course? I mean, do you get the sense that the Christians you know are living a life beyond amazing? Would you describe your life like that? Would I describe mine like that? If there's a gap between the promise of what our Lord wants us to have and what we're experiencing what is causing it what is happening to us that this abundant life that jesus died for so that we could have it seems to always be at the end of our fingers but not quite in our grasp and i'd like to suggest to you the three things that i've thought of in preparation for this that might help us understand this a little bit first of all i think for many of us we misunderstand our salvation Most Christians today view salvation strictly in the past tense. Salvation is something that has happened to us. It's history. Our salvation, according to many Christians, is a done thing. But the Bible doesn't view salvation like that, men and women. The Bible views salvation in three different tenses. The Bible views salvation like this. I have been saved. If I've trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, as many of you have, you've become a Christian, then you can say of yourself, I have been saved. And you point to the day when you retrusted Christ. But the Bible also teaches that once you're saved, you continue being saved. You're saved eternally, but it's true that once you have been saved, as you go forward in your life, you are being saved. And one day the scripture says you're going to stand before the Lord and you're going to be just like him and then the Bible says you will be ultimately saved. So here's the way that works. You are saved from the very penalty of sin. During your lifetime as a Christian, you're gradually being saved from the power of sin over your life. And ultimately one day, praise God, we're all going to be saved from the very presence of sin. There won't even be any sin. But please hear me. If you get stuck in the past tense, you won't be the kind of person who can have a life beyond amazing. Because salvation is more than just I have been saved, it's I am being saved and I ultimately will be saved. That's why Paul said to the Romans that now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. What was he talking about? Not past salvation, that was already done. Not present salvation, they were living that, the salvation of the future when you stand before the Lord and you are made like unto him. So the problem that we have sometimes is when we get saved, we think that's it, that's done, it's over, finished. Thank God I'm saved. So what does that have to do with a life beyond amazing? Here's a little paradigm from writer N.T. Wright that gives us a very helpful illustration. He said, many Christians have so emphasized the opening act of faith, the initial statement of that faith, believing that Jesus died for me, that they have a big gap in their vision of what being a Christian is all about. It's as though they were standing on one side of a deep, wide river looking across to the farthest bank. And on this bank, you declare your faith. On the opposite bank is the ultimate result, final salvation itself. But what in the world are you supposed to do between This bank and that bank. I am saved. I'm gonna be with the Lord someday for sure. That's eternal life But I might have 70 or 80 years on this earth. What do I do between This bank and this bank What are we supposed to do? That's what this series is really all about the life beyond amazing is not a passive wait till Jesus comes back kind of life The life beyond amazing is the kind of life that will get you up early in the morning and keep you up late at night if you really get your arms around it. Jesus Christ didn't just die for us to live in eternity with his Father. He died so that we would have an abundant life on this earth as well, and we seem to not be grabbing that in some way. And I think one of the reasons is because we just think, well, salvation is it. Author Craig Barnes asks, how long does it take to become a Christian A moment and a lifetime He said when I was a child my father brought home a 12-year-old boy named Roger whose parents had died from drug overdose and He said there was no one to care for Roger So my folks decided that they would help and they would raise him as if he was one of their own sons At first it was very difficult because Roger came from a totally different world and he was trying to adjust to his new home an environment free of heroin no addicted adults in that home And every day, several times a day, he said, I heard my parents saying to Roger, no, 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 that's not how we behave in this family. No, 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 you don't have to scream or fight or hurt other people to get what you want. No, no, Roger, we expect you to show respect in this family. And in time, Roger began to change. And Craig Barnes asked this provocative question. Did Roger have to make all those changes in order to become part of the family? Of course not. He was part of the family by the grace of my father, said this man. But did he then have to do a lot of hard work because he was in the family? You bet he did. It was tough for him to change, and he had to work at it, but he was motivated by gratitude for the incredible love he had received for my father. Do you have a lot of hard work to do now that the Spirit has adopted you into God's family? I mean certainly but not in order to become a son not in order to become a daughter because you already are that if you're a christian And every time you start to revert back to the old addictions of sin the holy spirit will say to you. No, no, no That's not how we do that in this family That's not how we act in this family Sometimes we miss what god wants for us because we just misunderstand salvation When you become a christian, that's not the end. That's the beginning That's the commencement of your life. Sometimes we miss what God wants for us in the Christian experience because we misapply the concept of works. And this is not hard, this is a little bit theology, but hang with me, it's real easy to grasp this. The New Testament is very clear about the fact that in our present tense salvation, we are not saved as the result of our effort, it's the result of the grace of God. I have noticed, however, that in many of the key passages where the doctrine of salvation apart from good works is found, the doctrine of salvation unto good works is also found. Here's the dilemma that people have. I'm supposed to be saved, but it's not by works. But then I am saved, now what do I do? So let me help you with that. Two passages of Scripture that are very clear. First of all, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Notice, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Now watch this, not of works, lest any man should boast. Or try this one. Paul wrote to Titus, his young protégé, and he said, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Paul in both of these passages reminds us clearly, indelibly, unconditionally, there is no such thing as being saved by works. You can't do enough works to become a Christian. You were saved by the grace of God apart from works. Everybody got that? All right. Now don't stop here, because after Ephesians two eight and nine comes Ephesians two ten. Have you read that? For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Not saved by good works, but you're saved for good works. Same thing with Titus chapter three. Here's verse 8 in the same chapter. This is even more powerful. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. Here's the problem. I am so thankful that I'm going to heaven by grace. No works at all. I got saved, and works never show up again until you die. <laughs> That's the way some folks are. I didn't get saved by works, so I don't have to do any works. Thank God for Jesus. So unfortunately, in many of our churches, we have a lot of passive believers who come every week to rejoice in the fact that they're going to heaven but haven't even thought about the fact that maybe something else should be happening in their life between the moment when they believed and when they finally hear the Lord say, well done. (laughs) Because if they keep doing what they're doing, they're not going to hear, well done. They're going to just say, come on in. You got that, I guess. Uh. So sometimes we don't get what we should get out of this life as Christians because we misunderstand salvation and we think it's already over, that everything has happened. Sometimes we don't get it right because we misunderstand how works are so wonderfully commanded of us as believers. And here's the third one, and this is a little more mysterious, but if you've been around the church as long as I have. You'll get this one in a hurry. Sometimes it's mistaken idea of spirituality. How many of you have ever heard of the deeper life? I grew up in a time when the deeper life was a big deal. I have a book in my library that I'm almost ashamed to tell you about. You know what the title of it is? Shallow Living from the Deeper Life. And I've seen a little of that. Here's the idea of the deeper life. This is championed by a group called the Keswick's. Hannah Whitehall Smith was one of the great teachers of this truth. It is the idea that you don't do anything, God does everything. The key to the Christian life is to let go and let God. I've observed a lot of people have let go, but they haven't let God. They just let go, period. The Christians of a happy life. Here's a little paragraph from one of her books. All that we claim then in this life of sanctification is that by a step of faith, we put ourselves into the hands of the Lord for him to work in us all the good pleasure of his will, and that by a continuous exercise of faith, we keep ourselves there. Our part is trusting. It is his accomplishment that is everything. Now, doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound like that should be right? But I've watched it over the years. I don't know how to say this in any other way than just to say it It doesn't work. It works to some degree for people who really get it. Watchman Nee wrote a lot about this, a great Chinese student of the Word of God. It is so cerebral that it leaves people hanging with all of the opportunities that are before me. They don't know what to do. Should I do this, or should I let God do it? Here's what I know, men and women, after all these years of studying this, and I want to be very clear about this. The New Testament calls upon Christians to take action. It does not tell us that the work of sanctification is going to be done for us. We are in the good fight of faith, and we have to do the fighting. But thank God we're unable to do it. For the moment we believe and are justified by faith, we're born again by the Spirit of God, we get the ability. The New Testament method of sanctification is to remind us of that. Now, having been reminded of it, let's go do it. Here's one that you all will love. This is Bono, the lead singer of U2. You never hear me quote him before, have you? (laughs) Here's what he said. He said, your nature's a hard thing to change. Takes time. I have heard of people who've had life-changing, miraculous turnarounds, people set free from addiction after a single prayer, relationships saved, where both parties let go and let God. But it wasn't like that for me for all that i was lost i am found it is probably more accurate to say i was really lost and i'm a little less so at the moment (laughs) and then a little less and a little less again that to me is the spiritual life the slow reworking and rebooting of the computer at regular intervals reading the small print in the service manual It's slowly rebuilt me in a better image. It's taken years though, and it's not over yet Was he saying that salvation is a gradual thing not as far as accepting Christ? But he was saying that when I accepted Christ it wasn't over I Didn't get that spiritual situation where when I woke up the next day All of my lust was gone and all of my greed was gone and all of my selfishness was gone It was still there and it was over a period of time after receiving Jesus Christ That I wasn't as lost as I was before I was lost You get that? Those are some of the things we need to kind of keep and we'll talk about this some more as we go along now let me hurry quickly to the roadmap of a life beyond amazing. And I want you, if you have your Bibles, to turn to the second chapter of Philippians. I love the book of Philippians. Do you like Philippians? Yeah. Yes, what a great book this is. It seems like it speaks to so many things. But I want to read to you these verses, and having explained to you what I've explained to you, you'll sort of get this now in the way that I hoped you would get it. Philippians two, twelve, and 13. Therefore my beloved as you have always obeyed Not as in my presence only but now much more in my absence. Listen carefully work out Your own salvation with fear and trembling For it is God who works in you both to will and to do For his good pleasure And you're going to say wait a minute didn't you just tell me you don't have to work for your salvation? Yes, I did because that's what the Bible says, and I'm not contradicting it. You're just not reading carefully. It doesn't say, work for your salvation. It says, work out your salvation. Some of you are so opposed to work out, you won't even read that. (laughs) Work out your salvation. What does it mean? When the text says, work out your own salvation, it doesn't mean work for your salvation. The phrase, work out, has the meaning of working something through to its full completion. This particular expression was used to describe those who worked in the mines in Paul's day They were mining out of the ground that which had been placed there by their creator Working out our salvation has the meaning of working out What God has already worked in notice in that same text? It says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because it is God who works in you So we're to work out what God has worked in. God is giving us these things that we need. But that doesn't mean we just sit and hold them. What is really responsible for your Christian walk, your Christian growth? Is it just sit back and wait for the Holy Spirit to zap you? How many have had been zapped? No. And we wonder, why isn't this working? Well, we're looking for the wrong thing. Well, we have some more of that tomorrow as we finish up the month together. Let me remind you again that we're coming to your area if you live in Tampa, Florida, Jacksonville, Florida, Houston, Texas, or Fort Worth, Texas. On the 5th of October, we'll be in Tampa at the Yingling Center. On the 7th of October, we'll be in Jacksonville, Florida at the Vistar Veterans Memorial Arena. On October the 26th, we'll be in Houston at the Berry Center. On the 28th, we'll be in Fort Worth at the Dickey's Arena. These are wonderful events. I mean, I look forward to these. And frankly, last year when we were uh kind of um, sheltering during COVID and couldn't do this, I really missed the rallies. The rallies are a great encouragement to me personally, and I know they are to those who attend. So be sure to get ready. And the way you get ready is you order your tickets. Go to davidjeremiah.org slash tour, davidjeremiah.org slash tour. And there, order your tickets, and they'll be emailed to you. You'll have them, and you can be a part of any of these events. You don't have to live in these areas. A lot of times people fly in for the weekend, or they'll drive in from a distance. We just want you to know this is where we're going to be. These four nights, we're going to be in Tampa, Jacksonville, Houston, and Fort Worth, and we want you to be there with us. Take advantage of the simple way of getting your tickets. They're free, but you must have a ticket. So be sure and order yours today. And don't forget, friends, there are resources for the series we just finished on loneliness. You can find out about that at our website as well. There's a study guide and there are some CDs. And I hope you'll take advantage of the information during the month as all this is happening. We're we'll back tomorrow for the final message in the month of August as we finish up our discussion of a life beyond amazing. See you then.
0: For more information on today's message from Dr. Jeremiah's series, A Life Beyond Amazing, visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's reassuring new book, God Has Not Forgotten You, A comforting reminder that God is working all things together for your good. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet. Or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Get all the details when you visit our website at davidjeremiah.org slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we conclude our special message from a life beyond amazing. Right here on Turning Point. take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with Airship Genesis Legendary Bible Adventures from Turning Point. Tune in to our monthly audio adventures and join the Genesis Exploration Squad as they travel back in time to experience the stories of the Bible firsthand and discover life-changing lessons. Also available is the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, Packed with the biblical content specifically written for kids. From trusted Bible teacher, Dr. David Jeremiah. You can also download our Airship Genesis mobile game on your favorite smart device. And play as your favorite characters in this puzzle adventure game. As the squad experiences the life of Jesus firsthand. Just go to your app store and type the keywords Airship Genesis. For more details or to order a copy of the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible. Visit our website at airshipgenesis.com Bible. That's airshipgenesis.com slash Bible.
1: Whenever I hear myself or someone else say something like, I haven't had time to get it done, I think of these words of C.S. Lewis. The future, Lewis said, is something which everyone reaches at the rate of 60 minutes an hour, whatever he does, whoever he is. In other words, we all have the same amount of time. Sometimes it would be more honest if we said, I didn't take the time instead of, I didn't have the time. We all have choices to make with our 60 minutes per hour. The hard part is making the wisest choices possible. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's way to make choices on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home.